What's going on, Trophy Kids? We've got an awesome show here for you. We were talking about the college football playoff rankings, a couple games that are going on this week. Not a great slot. We've got a couple bets that we're going to make here, a couple picks. And then we are talking college basketball and one of the best rivalries kicking off this weekend. Again, the Crosstown Shootout. It's a good one. Let's go. <laughs> And welcome to Trophy Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is December 4th. How are we doing today, gentlemen? Going well. We are doing fantastic. I am not. I'm going to be very honest with the listeners. It's been been a rough two weeks, to say the least, for those of you who have been following the picks in gambling. Um, I don't know what I've done to piss off the gambling gods, but literally since that Purdue game on Friday night last week, I have not caught a break. Um, it's been it's been bad. It's a cold streak. I feel like what it must feel like to go twelve rounds with Mike Tyson's at this point, or if you're Nate Robinson, two rounds with Jake Paul. Um, but bada bing, bada boom. Yeah. <laughs> very topical. Very very topical. topical. <laughs> We're not really going to get into that one. Um, bad bad showing for all involved. But it's it's bad. We're in a bad spot. Um, I'm still positive on the year. Which is good, but the overall record has dipped below sixty percent. The general report still sixty three, I think. I think the record is, let's see, forty three and twenty eight. Yeah, yeah, we gotta check that out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the regular picks are fifty seven percent right now, but it's it's getting rough. It's been a it's been two losing weeks back to back, which has not been good. It's it's been bad out here for me. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> It's getting a little still a little tough. better than a coin toss, right? Oh yeah, I mean, from a gambling <laughs> perspective, I mean, I'm still I'm still positive on the year. I'm 110. I got 110 wins, 84 losses, and four pushes. So I mean, or five pushes. Sorry, five pushes. Not terrible. Not too bad. Not too shabby. But we got some games. You look to talk at it about. as a whole. Yeah, when I look at it as a whole, yeah, the last two uh, the weeks, the body of work. Oh, it's make been. sure you're following us for the whole season. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I was gonna say season. that's the key. I am going through. <laughs> Last two weeks we cannot be responsible for oh, whole yeah. season. I guess I should disclaim this is not advice we're, I'm giving. I'm simply letting the public know what what I'm picking <laughs> for your entertainment. But it's been I'm hurt. We are not lawyers. Yeah, there was a lot of there was a lot of pain this week. I I knew I was in trouble when I covered the Iowa State and the Notre Dame game, but then literally everything else just went absolute shit and then on sunday i followed it up with just some terrible terrible picks like the browns covering a touchdown should have never been a pick i don't care who they're playing um michigan i picked michigan on saturday i i i will say still with conviction had mcnair not gotten hurt they would have won that game i think had he not gotten hurt i think they would have played better i think you're giving Mm. michigan too much credit I mean, they're bad. Jim Harbaugh, should we also, because we, we now have updated records. I saw the graphic. There's a couple things with college football. Just to, before we're going to get it, we're going to get into the playoff rankings and we're going to get into a couple picks before we talk about college basketball here, which is kicked off. But Jim Hardball, since 2015, 0-5 against Ohio State, 3-3 and against Michigan State, which we've talked about, 11-16 and against ranked teams, 2-12 and against top 10 teams. That's bad, gentlemen. That's really, really bad. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how he's still coaching right now. To be honest, I know it's you guys Michigan, say he's a guy, but like, come on now, that's terrible. How is he not fired? I have no reasons for him not being fired, Nate. 
I don't know if I could ever come up with a reason for him not being fired other than he is a, um, how should I put this? A disciple of the God. Um, <laughs> and the God being Bo Schembechler and Jim Harbaugh being a disciple of Bo Schembechler. He, he will never be fired. He doesn't have to produce at that school. He just needs to make sure that Michigan is on the national stage, which for all intents and purposes, while they are the laughing stock, they are. And that those advertising dollars are coming in. So um, as long as that's happening, I think that's the difference. That's what's separating him from Brady Hoke and uh, Rich Rye is that they weren't getting the media attention. But as long as Harbaugh is there, they're going to continue to get the media attention they need. And Harbaugh doesn't need to really win. You know, beat the teams he should beat and win a bowl game here or there, and he's good. Yeah, I'm hearing rumblings up here that he's going to get an extension in the offseason, a short one. Of course one. he is. But I'm yeah. hearing that he they're looking at a three-year extension, something in those lines, something along those lines that he'll be extended for another three years to kind of – which is um, insane. Keep them there. That's oh, a, it's absolutely insane. Absolutely it's the definition insane. of insanity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's not insane... If or, they want to f- win football games. This is true. It was potentially your all's hiring, but can we talk about the most hot and cold team maybe in America in Michigan State football? What in <laughs> God's name is going on over there? You beat uh, Northwestern. Not. You have the Michigan game, but then you drop eggs in between. <clears throat> what What is happening? <laughs> If you got a ranking next to your name, we will beat you. Watch out. <laughs> Is that a guarantee for this Ohio State game? <laughs> no, no, absolutely no, not. not at all. No, no. no. Excluding all. OSU. Any other thing. <laughs> right. I could yeah. not. I mean, I sort of believed it because I was like, at Northwestern, is they're getting a little big for their britches, and they're not. I didn't think as good of a football team as some people would like to make them, but that still is, I mean, to beat them 29-20 after – Losing twenty four nothing to IU, forty nine to seven against Iowa, and losing to Rutgers thirty eight twenty seven. That is, it's impressive. I don't know what Mel Tucker does right on those days, but whatever he's doing, he needs to keep doing every day. I don't think, I, I think Northwestern underestimated MSU, and I think that's why you got that little come from behind. They tried to come from behind and win. I think they were unprepared. I think Northwestern was unprepared for that game, woefully. Yes, I would agree. I mean, it's it's very much Michigan State doesn't play terribly when Rocky doesn't turn over the ball, and Rocky did not really turn over the ball, which was nice. Um, they ran him more, even though he's clearly hurt. I don't know what he's still doing in there, but um, what I'm looking for out of this season, Nate, is uh, Michigan State to uh, finish the season with Mel Tucker fully employed and then hit the transfer portal hard, which is what they're going to do. I mean... Tucker's already kind of said that out loud plenty of times that nobody's job is guaranteed, nobody's scholarship's guaranteed, and we're going to look for players that want to be here and care about football. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I like the two glimpses of hope that I've gotten this season, and that's pretty much enough for me um, out of Michigan State football. That's fair. I mean, I think I mean, you can't say Mel Tucker's necessarily the guy after – a very small sample size, but the fact that you guys are winning some games this year with the cupboard pretty bare, I would say, um, is impressive. I'll say that without right. a doubt. This this right. cupboard was bare, and Tucker didn't get his hands on him until like Super late. a month before the pandemic <laughs> happened. 
yeah, after yeah. signing day and before the pandemic and a month before the pandemic. So as soon as he finally got in the building and actually learned like a quarter of the team's name, <laughs> he got kicked out because they got sent right into a lockdown. So he didn't even get to see him play. It was like you get to see him in the weight room. You have no idea what they look like on the field. He had no idea what he was dealing with until a month before the season started as far as actual talent on the football field. So, I mean, I'm excited. I I like him as a coach, and I'm just looking forward to next year. Yeah, I guess now, like, I doubt that we play Penn State, but maybe we do. <laughs> uh, I, you know, when I was saying, like, I couldn't see another win on the schedule, but now I'm looking at that Penn State game, like, is that a win? Does MSU beat Penn State limit the turnovers possibly yeah I mean yeah. we'll have to see what condition <laughs> both teams are in given no weeks of given at this point um no. but yeah I mean tur- I mean the worst enemy of Michigan State this year has been turnovers well not the worst it's Michigan enemy, State it, yeah it, um it's bad um yeah. from a turnover perspective let's talk because there aren't that many good games this week and we're going to talk about the big news here in a second but my favorite topic as of last week and small continuation college football playoffs not much has changed i don't think anything well iowa state moves to nine is sort of the only real change because i don't think they were nine last week um which, no they had like a 10 place jump or yeah, like an which eight is place jump just absurd um i i'm not gonna say absurd i don't know that i would like, say absurd i don't think i took iowa state against texas but i don't think iowa state's like like we're gonna talk about byu here in a second but you're telling me they're better than like, I don't necessarily think they're better than BYU, Iowa State. I don't think they're necessarily better than – I don't know if I'd put Miami in that category. But See, they're not better than Oklahoma. That, I don't really care that much. My, my point remains the same from last week, Nate, on this, that it really doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter as much. Here's what matters to me and what's sort of annoying to me. The Georgia still thing still bugs me for the same reason. You had your shot against the two best teams in the SEC. They beat up on you. You shouldn't even be in smelling distance of – the college football mm-hmm. playoffs. The one the one thing that's starting to bug me is sort of like the precedent they're setting here for if chaos happens that Texas A&M is looking on the outside. They played Alabama. And I know you have to put them 5. But are you telling me right now say Bama beats Florida? Clemson whoops up on Notre Dame. I mean, blows them out. So there's now an opening. You're going to put a one-loss A&M team who's already played Alabama, who hasn't gotten materially better, I would say, as a football team, in the college playoff football at the four spot? They're going to be over Ohio State. No, if Clemson, like, blows out Notre Dame in the ACC championship, I'm saying. You mean, like, if they lose? Like, if Clemson beats Notre Dame by more than 20 in the ACC championship, I don't know you put Clemson in the college football playoffs. I think that's got to be, like, a 35-point Okay, blowout. say like, a 35 I think point. it's got to be something ridiculous. Say there's chaos. Now I got to look. Say if there's an opening. <laughs> Do you put— Say if there's an opening. So, say even—so, here's the thing that so I So, where see. are my three teams? Where are my three teams Your in three this teams? scenario? I don't He's even... got Alabama— Clemson and Ohio State. Is that what you're saying? Nate? Right now. And I have a question about Ohio State here in a second and whether you put them in so, if they don't get. So Alabama, Clemson, OSU. You're yeah. asking, do we put Texas A&M in or do we put Notre Dame in? Do you put Is that yeah. what you're asking? Yes. Or do you put or do you give a shot if Cincinnati or 
I guess it would that would be it. No, I I and think I think they would be able to flip that that scenario to put Texas A&M third over Ohio State because Ohio State hasn't looked that good really yet. Um, where you get A&M avoiding Bama in the first round, which is all they really need to do in order to get A&M in. That's yeah, true. I think you put Texas A&M in there too. But see, that's my problem with this. Is like, I guess my ultimate problem with this fourteen. Or you put Notre year, Dame in, and you had two AC. You're, I don't think we're getting away from having either two ACC or two SEC. I don't. I don't think we're getting away from that scenario. I don't think so either. In, I think if Notre Dame, I, th- I think if Notre Dame wins, I think you'd have a good enough argument to move Notre Dame ahead of Alabama. I mean, they beat Clemson yeah, twice. They beat North yeah. Carolina, and then you have Alabama two. Um, you have Ohio State three. And then A and M four, and then that's fine. I mean, I'm good with that playoff. Yeah. See, here's my problem with that though, and I guess my argument is ultimately for the expansion of it. But like, you have like test what we've always said about college football because it's different than the NFL in this aspect is mm-hmm. every game matters. But you can't make that mm-hmm. argument when Texas A and M played Alabama. Alabama went in, went in there, took care of business against them, and say every game matters. Because they're Alabama's the best team in the country right now, and they've gotten better defensively. They're good offensively, so nothing. That's my ultimate problem. It's like it's not like Texas A&M has gotten incrementally better since the time they played Alabama, and they lost fifty-two to twenty-four against Alabama. So why are they deserving to be potentially in? Well, tell me why Cincinnati should like who has Cincinnati tell me played? Who else. Yeah, so this like, is I, so. This is where would you put a would you put you're telling me you'd put Cincinnati in over A&M? Do you think? Cincinnati's better than AM. I think they should deserve a shot because the argument for me is going to be you can only control what you can control. The schedules are made outside mm-hmm. of UCF. Cincinnati has overwhelmingly taken care of their shit this season. They have shut down high proficient offenses in SMU. They put mm-hmm. put away Memphis. They put away um Houston. They mm-hmm. did struggle against UCF, who's a good offensive team. Now they're mm-hmm. going to play Tulsa here coming up. I really wish they had been able to play BYU this week because it would have made it so much easier. They beat yeah, them. Yeah, that would have been easier. Yeah, <laughs> and then if they put away Tulsa two games in a row and handle that, I think an undefeated team who's really handled all their business, won all their games, deserves a more serious shot if there's chaos. And I'm saying if there's chaos here, then a one-loss team in Texas A&M who did not play Alabama close. Now, had they played them close... 14 points mm-hmm. or something, then I think, yeah, give them another shot. But they didn't play them close. They got blown out. They lost 54 so to 24. If Texas, so if it's Alabama with the one loss instead of Texas, A&M, I think you, you put, put Alabama in? Yeah, I think you put Alabama in. If it's okay. close, unless they get absolutely thrashed by Florida, which I do not see happening. Like I'm, Like, I think the only scenario where it's not these four teams is twofold. If, if it's not this way it is right now. There's a lot. There's a couple, but... I think if yeah. Alabama loses to Florida and it's very close, you're telling me a one-loss Notre Dame team's getting in over them or a two-loss Clemson or a five-win or potentially six-win. I think two-loss Clemson Ohio State gets dropped out. Yeah, I think, but yeah. I also think two-loss Clemson is done. So that's what I'm saying is Alabama and Florida are rightfully deserving, I think, in that scenario because yeah. Florida yeah. is the SEC. Right, and then... Yeah. So that's not true chaos. The only and OSU is only in there to have at this point a Big Ten representative. Well, it, <laughs> yeah, and right? I guess that's the other point. If if they don't get to play Michigan and they're not in the Big Ten championship, how do you put Ohio State in with a small sample size so, and with a defense who is very suspect? 
That pass defense is not oh, good. Oh, yeah, their secondary, <clears throat> terrible. Is trash. So, let, me, let me lay something out for you. Is it better if Ohio State makes the Big Ten Championship or doesn't make the Big Ten Championship? Because remember, the the way that the Big Ten's doing things, championship week, everybody plays, everybody seated. So 1v1, 2v2, 3v3. Well, Ohio State would have to play Wisconsin if they don't qualify for the Big Ten championship game. Now, that would be a better matchup for Ohio State's resume than mm, Northwestern, Northwestern in the Big Ten championship game. Even though it's the Big Ten championship game, it's still Northwestern. Yeah, it's Northwestern. And Northwestern I didn't look know okay that. this yeah. year. But I just found that. I just heard that this week, and I was like, hmm. Yeah, no, always the worst win over thing. Wisconsin. Hundred percent. So yeah, the funniest thing is Michigan might be trying to screw over Ohio State, and it could end up helping them. It could, yeah. I would say that's a better win. I that's a hundred because Wisconsin because it's a hundred percent a better win because Wisconsin's offense is way better than Northwestern's offense, 100%. and that's what we're worried about with Ohio State. We're not worried about their offense. Yes, we're worried about their defense and if it can hold up against any of the teams in the college football, like literally any of the teams in the college football playoff. So if they could hold up against Wisconsin and actually prove their defense, they would look a lot better making it into the college football playoff. Yeah. But if they, but if they, I mean, if they make it, if they make it into the Big Ten championship game, and they play Northwestern. And they don't look great against Northwestern. What are they doing in the college football playoff? Oh, I agree, a hundred percent. I right now do not like Ohio State in the college football playoff. But I, I did not know that was the case in the Big Ten. And I, I'm agreeing with you. It at this point, yeah, it's probably better not to make the Big Ten championship. Yeah, and play like Wisconsin, Indiana, Northwestern, play whatever that constellation game. Right. Is. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would be the game. saddest. Game. Oh That'd my be god! The Big Ten championship Big... ever. And next year, those schools would be so excited to hang that banner, but everybody would know. Well, mm, come on now. <laughs> not really. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. I did not know that. Yeah, because that's the other. I think that's the other scenario that was talking about, or I was going to talk about, but we've kind of just covered that. Is like, I don't really think Ohio State at this point in time should be. I mean, they're the four star because of brand loyalty at this point because the offense is good, but like. The argument should be made that like Justin Fields in the one game they played a good team when pre- they gave up a lot of pressure. Justin Fields looked terrible against pressure, and that pe- secondary looked absolutely tr- horrendous. What do all three teams right now that are making the playoffs do well? They can their D lines are good. They can bring pressure, and they have great offenses. Like outside of Notre Dame, but even Notre Dame has a good passing offense. They rely more on the run, I think, to get going. But like Alabama and Clemson would absolutely shred them to to bits. I think at this point. So yeah, I do mm. kind of think a, a, a random team getting a shot is almost better at this point from my the, the only argument i have for them and it all it, it honestly works against them too is that they haven't played many games yeah right In the and so they system. don't they haven't had the prep to actually show us like can they correct mistakes can they shore up that o-line can they get justin fields not to scramble so quickly sometimes because um, he looks great in the pocket but i feel like Sometimes he's like, "Oh, the pocket's collapsing. I gotta run," and then he just throws the ball somewhere. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah. Some of those throws, um, I was like, "What are you?" Yeah, I mean, yeah. I bet against them, so I was loving it. But I was like, "What are you doing? <laughs> You're a Heisman candidate. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. you shouldn't make that throw. Just take the sack. Yeah, it's almost yeah, a hundred percent." Um, last thing on this because I we sort of made this argument. I'm gonna 
I want to. I, I have thought about it a little bit more, and I have a new. I have a new little sprinkle to lay in, another layer to expanding the playoffs. Because as I am a believer in expanding the playoffs, here is my wrinkle, and I kind of thought of it this week. And I, in short term, I don't think it's great. But if you love college football and you want to see more parity in college football, I think expanding the playoff to six or eight teams is the only way to do it. And here's why. And it's. I can't really. I'm going to compare the two sports, but they're not really comparable because the DNA of the sports are so different. But look, for example, in college basketball, and I made I made this connection this week when I was watching Gonzaga, which we're going to talk about here in a second. In college basketball, there is much greater parity in the sport because let's be honest. At for example, with Gonzaga, bag men are spread around better. Exa- bag men are spread around bigger, <laughs> but you don't have a consolidation of the top that if you want to compete for a national championship as a coach and as a player, you can go. You don't have to go to Kentucky or UNC or Duke or one of these power five. You can go to a Gonzaga who's building a program. You as a coach can stay there and legitimately build a program because you know if you're good enough and you build a program over time, you will have a shot. The same argument I could be making for college football here. UC, for example, really has no way. I mean, we're making the I'm making the argument they should be in, but they don't really have a shot at making the playoffs here. But if it was an 18 playoff, they have a shot at making it. And I think that brings more parity to college football because two things: one, a coach like Luke Fickle, whose ultimate goal as a coach is to win national championships and build a program, you can't do that at UC. So he's ultimately going to go, no matter how big of a program he builds, no matter how good of a, a pipeline he builds recruiting wise. He can never stay at UC because he'll never be able to compete for a national championship if we keep it at four. He has to go to a blue blood, even if he wanted to stay and love the school. But if you had an eight or 16 playoff, he could stay at UC. I'm using UC as an example right now. And he could compete for a national championship potentially there and build out a really big program and stay there if they have the resources. I think it, one, allows coaches to stay at schools and legitimately build a program, which kind of helps with this constant carousel of just rotating coaches in and out. And two, recruiting. At this point, if you want to compete for a national championship and you're a big-time recruit, you have to go to a very few select schools, which it wouldn't change that that much. But it's a huge recruiting tool if you as a UC, BYU, um, one of these smaller schools can go, hey, you can come to our school, you can almost start pretty early, and you're going to get a chance to play on national Big-time stages, if we build a program out here, you might have a chance to play, put film on the field of playing in Alabama and Notre Dame in the playoffs. Like, it's going, I think, in the long term, it would expand parity within college football. So, just because I'm a college basketball fan, like a huge college basketball fan, I'm going to uh, dispel this notion of parity in in college basketball. If we just look at the last five uh, NCAA tournament winners, but you know how long it is before we get to a repeat. I don't disagree. So the, the where are you the going with this? Talent does pull at the top. It does, but look at Mark. Both. What Mark Few did at Gonzaga. Gonzaga's not like a blue blood or a, a traditional program, but he didn't have they to. They, they are, are now. now, and he's one yeah. of. But because he, he could stay, he had the ability as a college basketball coach to be able to stay there and not have to go to a. Kansas or a UNC or a Duke to build that Because he's an introvert and he's getting paid $2 million to live in Spokane, Washington. I don't disagree, but he can do that there. You can't do that in college football. You can't stay at a slightly lower team. And it's a different DNA. It's very different. different. I mean, you have to recruit five, you have to recruit two very good players in college football or college basketball at 
a maximum. In college football, you have to recruit at least 12, like, all-stars in order to even compete. Right, but that becomes I mean, a lot easier if you have the legitimate... If you can go to a recruit and say, you don't have to go to Alabama, you don't have to go to Clemson to win a national championship, you can come to a UC, which is a, a state in which it is a rich environment for recruiting, and you're going to have a chance to compete on the national level at an elite level against elite talent down the line, and you can probably play sooner. Like, that's a huge benefit. No, you like, need, no. you need a million dollars worth of bag men in college basketball, and you need at least, like, a hundred million worth of bag men per year in college football. And they come yeah. to the SEC, and they come to the South. My you best. Can't tell me you cannot tell me a recruit for Tennessee Tech basketball is going to turn down going to Bama. Is going to turn down, not Bama, but going to turn down Bama. going to Kentucky. I don't know why I said that because you said that <laughs> no. earlier. Uh, but or Duke or Nova, like it's just not going to have. This is where the change in college football happens. So UC is the perfect example, and it's why I'm connecting this dot. What did Luke Fickle do at UC this year, or since he's been there, that? really has changed that program around. He's in a rich football state from recruiting-wise, and he recruits the state of Ohio immensely. It went. F- they have like 53 scholarship players, I think, from the state of Ohio. They had like 8 or 12 or something when, when he got there. It was very little. What will happen is, and it happens at Ohio State, yeah, they get the top-tier recruits and all that, but they do fill out a lot of key positions from the state of Ohio. You become much more competitive for you seeing mm-hmm. this example in a state that's in state-rich environment for recruiting, when you can say, you don't have to go to Ohio and compete with all these other five stars. You're a five star or you're a four star. You can come to UC, you can probably start earlier, and you can compete on the same level that Ohio State's going to compete on if we build this program out right. So you but know Luke Fickle can't now, stay at UC. Now we, also have, and now we also have a coach who's actually recruiting again at Michigan State Right, who I was just about to had say that. a ton of success off of recruiting the state of Ohio. That's the only time we were any good was when he actually successfully recruited the state of Ohio, yep. and then he ignored him because he didn't want anything above a four, a, a three star anymore. He just said, "No, I'm only taking my three star guys, and that's it." And you can't find that many of those in Ohio because they're all very good yeah. if they're getting recruited. Say, that, that was they're the very Antonio good. Blueprint so to- now you have somebody coming back into Ohio from Michigan State, and it's going to be tougher for UC to compete with that. It's always going to be tougher for UC to compete with that. They play on Friday nights, they play on Saturday mornings, but they're not getting on. They're not getting the the primetime games on ESPN. But that's what I'm they- saying. You expand the eight eight team playoff. All of a sudden this year they're a playoff team. They are. Yeah, but that's yeah. you expand it to six, they're they're a playoff team. And to be yeah, honest, easily. I think it would. I believe it would spread out recruiting a little bit more. Not a huge amount. Alabama is still going to get the best players in the country. Clemson is still going to get the best players in the country. But I do think it would have an effect, and it does allow for a team that hits either hits gold one year and has a really good team, or has slowly built a program. A coach has decided to stay at a school that's paying him good money but isn't a top-tier program, doesn't come with the insane pressures of coaching at an unrealistic school like Nebraska or Tennessee or anything like that where you have a Scott Frost leaving UCF to go. I mean, he would have gone to Nebraska anyway because it's his dream job, but like outside of that, you'd have coaches that would be able to stay at these sort of lower-tier but still high-tier football schools that will that currently cannot stay there because they literally cannot compete for national championships because they never have the shot there. That's- yeah, but if you, wanted to, if you want to bring college basketball in, and we, we can – 
hit at something that stayed, it hits home too. Chris Mack should have stayed at Xavier as well, 100%. but he left for a bigger market in Louisville, a bigger market, a bigger paycheck. I mean, I mean we both know that, there was other factors involving that from a family perspective too. I mean, there was, it, yeah, there absolutely I mean, is the, Louisville too, yeah. But, but he, he's from Cincinnati. He is from Cincinnati, but he wasn't leaving just for any big time job. Like that wasn't his, his, th- his MO. No, but his eyes always out there. I mean, everybody's his eyes over there, got, there. Everybody's got a bigger job than where they are. Everyone has a price. I don't disagree, but I do think that you would find coaches being more selective in where they go. Like, for example, when the Michigan job opens up. Say Luke, and that's probably a bad example for Luke Fickle, but say the coach at BYU yeah. gets the offer to do Michigan. There is a second thought of like, hey, I'm building a program out here in BYU. I don't have nearly as much pressure as at Michigan. BYU's ever going to be able to pay you $10 million a year? No, but there's a hell of a lot less pressure, and I'm probably going to keep my job for longer at BYU and make money over long term. Michigan, huh? Ten million dollars over three years is still thirty million dollars. Yeah, I'll take that. You can retire. Yeah, be done for the rest of your life. Looking this up real quick. Not only done. Yeah, I mean he's making, but you can you can pay for your you can pay for the next couple generations with thirty million bucks. Yeah, he's making one point five. Second game of the year, they still got to pay out that contract. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're still. He's making 1.5 at BYU. You look at UVA's coach is the next one that comes up. He's making 3.4 million. That's a lot less of a pressure cooker, and that's at UVA. I wonder what. Hold up, let me look at this. 10 mil. I'm taking 10 mil. Yeah, I mean, Luke Fickle's making 3.4 million at UC right now. I have a feeling they they'd find some more money if he wanted it too. They already did. That's I know, but I'm saying, I, I agree, but I'm saying he if they if you were to come with, I bet you they could get up to. I don't know where exactly, but especially if they're getting more TV dollars and going out. I'm just saying I think expanding the playoffs in the long term helps the sport of college football. This four, this, I think, this I monopoly think, of think, four is just not – it's not conducive long term, I don't think. No, it's, it's bad for a, college football. I have I a feeling yeah. that, that when you expand it, more of the eye test will come into play when they're coming to pick, and it won't, it's, it won't be – undefeated because they'll never get any marquee matchups out of conference. They'll never get any non-conference marquee matchups. And if they say that they don't really weigh into the effect of the college football playoff selection, then you'll start seeing the marquee matchups where they can only help. My dad had an idea that I really like, and we don't have to expand the playoffs. And he said at, and we see this and we, we see in it we're seeing it happening now, right? With COVID. So it is possible where he said we should have like a college football playoff week where you take all the undefeateds or all the tops of every conference and you make them play. Like everybody holds one out of conference game on their schedule, right? And you for one week, we all play out of con- these out of conferences. So your Alabama is gonna play OSU and your whatever, you know. Clemson is going to play Michigan and what and so you play those games so now you have this competition isn't that just these, a play, expanding a playoff <laughs> it's not expanding because you're playing it during the season yeah but I, I think, mean I think they could just take the that's uh, just like a mental I think block they could of like just take the power the five system. screw I don't the hate it. I like nobody it. watches them anyways give us four conferences the winner of those four conferences play you have like 80 some teams everybody else plays for fun I yeah, mean, everybody else plays for fun. Yeah, I, like I like it that. because it's you like, already got the top eighty schools in the country. How many more do you need? I kind of I like what you're saying there because 
Um, I mean, it's essentially what almost happened this week with because of COVID. Like you almost that's had UC play BYU, but that is mm-hmm. that's essentially expanding the playoff system and just giving the top team. Well, maybe not giving the top. I mean, you could give the top two a bye. I don't have, actually have an issue. I know some people have a big issue with that. I don't have an issue with that. Give them a bye the first two weeks, but then you're essentially just doing the same thing. You're just removing the the label of a playoff. But I don't hate that. I mean, that's what I was hoping was going to happen this week because then that. Whoever won that game automatically should have been in the conference. They like they were. I think you had to put them in if there was any form of chaos. I, you um, know, it's still amazing to me that they didn't do something to make BYU play Cincinnati. Like I, I, know. I, I cannot um, believe that didn't happen. It is. I mean, they're going to have time off between now and the New Year Six. I say just screw it and schedule. I know it's not technically in the guidelines of college football, and they have that break, but like. Screw it. Play the game anyway. Like, just who cares? TV crews will show up. I can guarantee it. Just play it outside <laughs> of the NCAA's purview and just show up and play after the or after the uh, championship. So game. many sanctions and fines. And... Xavier set up a TV crew in eight minutes when the <laughs> FS1 yeah. when the FS1 broadcast team went down with COVID right before the game with a positive COVID test. Xavier got up and running in eight minutes, and it was broadcast online. Heck yes, it was. It was a great thing. And I think that that's a good cue to kind of keep pushing this along. We'll talk more about the playoffs. I am sure it's going to come up because I love to talk about it. But let's quickly just touch on a handful of games. There's not much this week. It's a bad week. But the game we've been dancing around, BYU Coastal, has to be talked about in the pure mm-hmm. fact that this is one of the biggest baller moves I've ever seen, I think, with BYU on Thursday getting a call to travel cross-country to play a team that they have really no time to prep for, who's ranked 18th in Coastal Carolina, to try to be in the converse, a legitimate conversation about entering the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They're not going to be at the end of the day, but it's still awesome that they are doing this. I love it. It makes this weekend so much better because the slate of games, is it's bad this weekend outside of this. How are we feeling about it? Yeah, this is the only game I see. I'm looking at the line, Nate. It's 10. BYU is 10-point favorites. That's a huge spread for a last-second like travel across huge. the country. Yeah. Get everything packed up. Let's go. <laughs> and They're favored by 10 points. That's insane. Not even that. Literally before we started recording this, there was a picture tweeted. The BYU equipment truck has just left. They are driving nonstop across country. There literally cannot be like a single delay is what they're saying in order for this game to get played on time. <laughs> I saw that. I was like, I was like, they had. I saw they had six hours to get this done, and they're ready. And I was like, what do you mean they only had six hours? Yeah, it's a p- because they had to drive it all the way across the country. Correct. <laughs> yeah, I I hadn't factored that in. Um, but it's incredible. I mean, I I love it. I can't believe the line's only ten. I don't know. I'm gonna wait to see if that only moves 10. at all. Only ten. Or sorry, it, it is ten. I thought it would be lower. My bad. My brain is. My yeah, brain is. Under, I thought it would be like under seven. Yeah, like, I think it's because I, BYU's I offense like a is five and a half or something. Yeah, their offense is so crazy. But uh, I agree. That's a big. I don't love that. I don't love. I don't know. I think Coastal Carolina. There's a good chance Coastal Carolina just gets to be pretty bad because they also don't have any time to prepare for this. They didn't know they were playing BYU until today. I mean, they have a little bit more time because they don't have to have the travel factor in. Um, they have a ton more time. Yeah, because they're yeah. sitting at home. They don't have to travel across the country, but. Uh, it's an interesting line. I don't know how I feel about that. I, I have a lot of weird lines this week. Um, I don't know, but I love the move. I was so excited to see that because this weekend slate stinks. Um, well, yeah, because it canceled the other the other game. 
the only other game that I was looking forward to was the Liberty Coastal Carolina game. <laughs> <laughs> Liberty season is done, right? Done. They're yes. Done? And Hugh yeah. Freeze is going to get a job somewhere in the SEC after this, probably Tennessee. Um, and we're going to be talking about his rehabilitation, which will be – it's going to be fun. I can't wait <laughs> for him to go to Tennessee. I've been hearing it on the Barstool College Football Podcast a few times mentioned where they were uh, talking about how it's going to be hilarious to see Tennessee fans kick Greg Schiano out in an uproar over morality and then them welcome Hugh Freeze with open arms. Like that is going to be one of the funniest, most hypocritical things I've ever seen. How long before there's a TikTok of Hugh Freeze at Tennessee ripping some student's head off <laughs> oh i thought you were gonna say ripping lines in a strip club yeah, or something was, that's where no, i thought, no, that's I thought not, we were going that, that way too that, that i was, was like more along the lines no. of, of you no. No. <laughs> <that> I, <laughs> I thought we were i, I was waiting line. i was waiting back like oh man this should be fun what we're about to hear hugh freeze and any um substance had in the past which i do not think he has had any uh yeah i was talking more about his he just orders strippers for his players yeah Yeah, his conduct at coaching is what i was (laughs) yeah he's not not great on that front but yeah it's gonna be and he's i mean he's like he is the perfect tennessee coach this is the same school that and i love lame now but like because of what he's doing down in Ole Miss and just how hilarious it is to watch his game. Like, that clipboard flipped the other week. I That endeared me to Lane Kiffin for the rest of my life. Um, like, the video I saw was... the most electric coaches. Oh, awesome. Um, but, I mean, Hugh Freeze is just Lane Kiffin 2.0 down at Tennessee if he goes there. Um, I agree. That was the only game I'm looking forward to. Your game. Any shot that you stay within the number of 24 here against Ohio State this week, you think? Nah, I mean, if we <laughs> show up, it would be a win. <laughs> that was such a resounding just, right. no, move I mean, on. <laughs> the weird thing would be if Justin Fields looks bad. I mean, if I mean, here's the I caveat of this game, though. Ohio State isn't bringing a bunch of backups. Yeah, they're that's not. Weird. No, they're playing shorthanded. Hmm. That's what Ryan Day announced that they will be playing shorthanded. He's coaching, so, right this week. How shorthanded? I don't know how shorthanded, but if he, he may get out coached, right? He could get out coached. That would be Good. hilarious. He is coaching, right? He's on the sidelines this week. I think I saw it. I he was on the no. He's oh, not. No, 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 no. Yes, right. Oh, he's he not can't be. Yeah, he's one of the ones that tested positive last week. I know, but I thought they were saying if you have, did he have symptoms? I thought the new guideline or whatever with the seven to ten days uh, without symptoms. Didn't the CDC just change their guideline without symptoms? It's like seven to ten days now. Ryan Day must have called the CDC personally. Yeah, but it, that <laughs> that did happen. But I don't think the Big Ten changed anything. The Big okay. Ten still the, the twenty-one games. I don't know. Maybe I didn't. Hey, I was gonna say I would. Yeah, I'd, he Ryan Day will be coaching virtually as of right now. Okay. 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 All right. Uh, I was gonna say I know. Our boy Travis Steele, which we'll get to in a little bit, is probably very excited about the CDC change to the guidelines because it may free up some players for this weekend's game. So I didn't know if the Big Ten was maybe scrambling to try to protect their golden child in Ohio State. Um, no, we'll sacrifice Ohio State. The <laughs> Big Ten is no has no problem like the Pac-12 with eating itself. How about uh, Nebraska just laying just eggs continually and being the team that pushed the hardest for, they should have didn't, opted out. They should have opted out of the season. <laughs> before the season started, didn't Tim say? Didn't Tim and I get on a uh, a boat and try to sail Nebraska to another 
yes. Power Five conference. I am that that offer is still good. <laughs> mm-hmm. They can go wherever they want. They want to go to the Big Twelve. They want to go to the Pac Twelve. We were talking about really the SEC, care. and we were talking they would literally die in the SEC. <laughs> oh yeah, they can go there too. I don't care where they go. They just have no right to be in the Big Ten anymore. Oh, now get them out of here. Now Scott Frost, I don't know. I mean, he's also sort of in a Jim Harbaugh situation where he's sort of the golden child in Nebraska. But, like, talk about another program with the most unrealistic expectations of expectations. Yeah, they're like the bizarro version of Michigan, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I guess that makes Michigan Superman, and I don't want to do that. So, let's <laughs> scrap that. Scrap Did you, I saw this week <laughs> Iowa has won 17 straight against Iowa State, Nebraska, Minnesota. Just to, to sum up that Whoa. side of the bracket. Um for the Big Ten. I saw that stat today. That is, as a Nebraska fan, I would imagine how you have to be so furious about how high your hopes got when Scott Frost signed on and just to continue to have the same result. And because you ran Bo Pelini out, um, and to get this is not good, to say the least. It's it's reminiscent of uh, what the uh, Detroit pro team may have done to a coach in running – him out getting 10 oh. <laughs> wins and substituting it for another horrible replacement. Um, Indiana, Wisconsin, numbers 14. Can you all explain to me why this number is 14 with Paxton out for Indiana and potentially Scott? Penix Jr. Up? Huh? Penix Jr. Yes. Michael Penix Jr. Yes. Sorry. Um, can either one of you explain that to me? Because I, I looked at that line, couldn't figure it out. I guess, yeah. what do you think? I think Wisconsin's about to roll them. I do, yeah. too. Yeah, that's what I think is going to happen right. as well. I can't I don't believe think that's you a... can get more than 14 points, though. I mean, they do have a They you do have a it... very highly touted uh, quarterback coming in at Indiana right, well, right I now. I think they're going to get rolled But there. That, that's all I know. I think they're going to get rolled, too. I The only explanation is to even the money. <laughs> <laughs> there, I guess that. Yeah, I guess that's about you it. You heard it here first. Um, I got nothing else though. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna give out a quick card unless you have any other games really to talk about, and let's talk some college basketball. Um, I like I like Ohio State in the first half um, to come out fast, so I like them at 13 and a half. I don't have much of a card. I'm gonna put out more this weekend because I haven't done a ton of research. Um, but I like them at 13 and a half. I like Clemson against Virginia Tech first half. It's 12 and a half. Virginia Tech plays zero defense, zero defense, um, and sometimes takes a little while to get cooking on offense. So I like that. I like the over at sixty-seven. Clemson almost covered the over last week by themselves. Um, are they playing? They are supposed to as of right now. Game day was about. Did to I hear there. some weird rumors that they were uh, postponing some of the games so that like Notre Dame and Clemson didn't really have to play anymore? Oh. Or am I just making this stuff up in my head? I haven't I seen know. that. What you... type of conspiracies are you on? Yeah. Okay. I know I'm making game day was considered when, when the um, Liberty Coastal Carolina game was in jeopardy, they were considering making that the game day day. So I don't think so, but maybe. I mean, maybe I missed that, but I don't believe so. Um, Wisconsin 14 and UVA minus four. I'm, I'm, going, I'm fading the public here. Um, I like UVA over BC. I think they're a sneakily decent team. Um, and that's sort of it right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to look. Oh, Bama, Bama first half against LSU. LSU's bad, really bad offensively. That might be one of the worst. Offensive they sold teams their soul for that championship. hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, 
if there is ever an offer for Michigan State to sell its soul for a championship, we will do it too. You I will it? sign on the. Where can I sign on the dotted line? <laughs> <clears throat> and how much will it cost? Yes. Oh, but God. they clearly. That's clearly what's happening. I know they. I know they lost a lot of star power. I know that some players opted out, but still, a program like LSU should have just been able to load up again. Yeah, it's it's bad. I know they had some players opt out, but it's. It's really bad offensively. Yeah, I think it's, it's more of a coaching issue there. Um, yeah. I think it was a lot of Joe Brady. <laughs> <clears throat> I think that and is a, awesome And clearly too. a lot of Joe Burrow, too. Um, yeah. Well, but yeah, Joe like, Burrow did not look like Joe Burrow before Joe Brady got there no. either. Uh, but now he's phenomenal. Whatever Joe, Joe Brady did to Joe Burrow has obviously stuck up until his injury. Um, but mm-hmm. that man, and that man will be a head coach very soon in the NFL. Um that's all I have on college football. Let's talk some basketball because it is going. I'm starting to get into it. I'm not fully there because football is my, my addiction this time of year. But I have been watching some college basketball, and my opinion, I think, has been validated that this year, outside of Gonzaga, who I think at this point, in my eyes, looks like a completely different team than everybody else, um, everybody's beatable, I feel like, this year. And it's, it's showing because there are teams dropping some games that should not be dropping. What are your all thoughts around college basketball right now? I think that's a fair assessment. I think the other thing that's happening, too, is like um, they haven't been able to practice with uh, refs in a lot of the conferences. Um, And so, yeah, so this is the first time you're getting contact. This is the first time you're like those little itty bitty mistakes that you would get cleaned up in scrimmages. Mm-hmm. are now carrying over to real games. And if you have a small school with a veteran squad playing a big school with freshmen, you're going to get beat on those first two games. Now, I think this will all level itself out, right? I think as those schools continue to play games, they're just the talent is going to win out. But I think early on, and they should, these small schools need to take the wins that they can get and run with them. 100% agree with that. Uh-huh. Yep. On sort of the Gonzaga... Or- I guess the parody point, the one point I forgot to make when we opened this up, I love college basketball for what they do. It is such a benefit to them that when the second the season goes, we've got marquee matchups, just ranked mm-hmm. team after ranked mm-hmm. team playing each other. And I was just, I was reminded that as I was sitting here the other day watching Michigan State Duke again for like the thousandth time to open up the season, sort of. I mean, not exactly the open, but early in the season and it's just like mm-hmm. from the get-go i love in college football we have to wait so long generally for like a big game um mm-hmm. but in college basketball it is right out the bat right out the shoot you got i mean on saturday we have baylor versus gonzaga two clear-cut mm-hmm. one oh. and two teams and we're Can't getting that wait. what four games into the season for a lot of teams <laughs> like it's incredible yeah Better than any football on at that time. <laughs> true. At one o'clock spot, very yeah. true. So, so mm-hmm. that MSU versus Duke game, it was Michigan State's first win in Cameron Indoor Stadium. <laughs> yeah, uh, how about that? Which was great. That's great. I, I'll take that any day. Uh, I do think it was scary for Michigan State in the sense that you have a bunch of veterans versus, again, that Duke team, which is basically seven freshmen. Uh, and one, one, is he a junior? Is that guy a junior? I don't know. But don't anyway, know. <laughs> um, Michigan State has a big problem though, that, that Duke exposed very quickly and it's ball movement. Rocket Watts is not a, uh, he's, he's a score first point guard. Um, and then when you have, when you have 
lawyer out there to move the ball, you lose the scoring, right? And so I thought Izzo was going to have an issue with the rotation for being too deep, but no, it seems like we're going to have an issue at guard. Um, and how does that look as the year progresses? Anyone knows who watches college basketball that in order to win, you got to have decent guard play or you're just going to be dead in the water. Yep, it's going to be tough for um, Izzo to overcome that. He's going to have to be drilling it into Rocket's head a little bit more about ball movement. It's not going to work. There are going to be times where he's just going to be Rocket Watts and look to score. Um, so they have a little bit of an interesting dynamic coming up this year because they, I mean, they need Rocket Watts to be able to dribble against a, a man press. So they need somebody that can actually break the man press. Um and that's going to have to be Rocket Watts because I don't think Aaron Henry can do it. And Consistently. Foster Lawyer cannot do it. Um, he, the, the promising thing about that Duke game, though, was he actually held his own. Like, he actually looked like he there, – there were – over the past two years, there's been plenty of times where he looks like he doesn't even belong in a D1 college basketball uniform. Yep. yep. <laughs> not even as a walk-on. I mean – Agree. And I'm not – I, I – I this can't is speak nothing to him, really too much against him, but that that's kind of how he has looked. It, there's been times where I've texted Dante and said Fred or uh, Hoiberg, Jack Hoiberg needs to be playing over Foster Lawyer, and he's just a walk-on. Um, but in that Duke game, he he showed that he does belong. He can protect the ball this year. He's more confident. He can make the pass now, um, and he can knock down the open shot when it's there. He is still a liability on defense because he always will be. I mean, he's short and not as athletic as yeah. most of the other guys on the court. But he can move the ball. He is a, going to be a solid guy that can put up 15 minutes or play 15 minutes a game now for Michigan State. And then I think that they can let Aaron Henry run the run the offense once they get into the front court. Um, the only issues are going to be with a press. And then you're going to have to have Rocket Watts breaking that. And then it's how do they get set up in their offense once um, once Rocket Watts breaks the press. And that's going to be their issue. Um, so it is going to be a depth of guard issue, but I think they will be able to overcome it. And I saw a lot of exciting things out of that Michigan State team. Yeah, it would be so like, and this is where you miss Cassius so much. You were able to run Cassius and Rocket, right, and put that depth line, that that depth line up in with uh Cassius, Rocket, Aaron, <clears throat> and Tillman, and then run whoever you want on that that on the wing, right? And um I guess this is where Joey Hauser and Malik Hall have to clean up for Michigan State, right? Be on those offensive boards and um uh, being able to sit in the middle of those uh, uh those zone defenses. But until we get somebody like I really, if I could combine Rocket and Foster together, it'd be great. <laughs> but we can't yeah. Do that. Well, <laughs> I, I don't think there's anything really to worry about with Michigan State right now. Um, even if you're looking at a long tournament run, I think they have showed plenty of promise that they could make a deep run in the tournament. Oh, yeah. Um, because Joey Hauser's been out of basketball for a little while now, um, and he looks very rusty. And he did not look like that at Marquette. So I think. Michigan State can even get to a point where they're running the offense through Joey Hauser, where he's yeah. setting up the offense once the press gets broken and Aaron Henry's running the offense. Or, I mean, they, they have more options other than Rocket to run the offense. And 
and that's where I think that they'll be able to get to in the long run. And they have so much depth this year. This year, yeah. We haven't even they haven't they didn't even bring in AJ Hoggard, who looked like he is Cassius in his freshman year. Not to that extent, but he's trying those same passes, if you know what I mean. Yeah. By he's trying those risky passes that he was always able to get away with because he can see it, but he can't make it because he's forcing it too much. Um, so he'll get in trouble there, but. They can start easing him into the lineup now. Yeah. Um, Big Ten related, and I guess for Michigan State, Iowa. Luca Garza is obviously incredible, but are, they're right now at three in the top of the Big Ten. I think right now I'd assume they're the favorite to win the Big Ten. Is the guard like I know they're good down low? Iowa and Purdue pretty much just run mish factories for down low guys, um, and I feel like just have a mold for their guys. Um, but is there the guard play? They haven't really played anybody, and this is the yeah. great thing about college basketball. They're going to play UNC next on the 8th, and then they got Gonzaga on the 19th, which I'm starting to wonder if Gonzaga has like, the hardest schedule in mankind history um, with who they're about to go through here. I'm going to have to pull that up in a second. But is does Iowa have, because I keep hearing, as I start to get more and I keep hearing about them, do they have the guard play to match Luka Garza to actually give them a shot at going pretty far this year? Um, against so, an MSU, against an Illinois, especially in the Big Ten, and then nationally. Here's what I'm going to say. Even if they didn't, I think Iowa has okay guard play, but even if they didn't, I could stand there and pass the ball to Luca Garza. <laughs> like, this isn't a hard offense to run. You know, you have a player of his caliber and who can move the way he does. And, look, we could just throw the ball back and forth until he gets his position. I could do that. Like, it's, yeah. it's not hard. It's not hard. Fair. I mean, he is – I mean, he has been playing some pretty easy components, uh, but he has just looked like a man among boys out there, which is incredible. An incredible thing to watch. He is a force of nature, and that's obvious. It jumps off the screen at you. Um, and that size is going to be handy because, like I said, they play Gonzaga here in a little bit. And I texted the group this. I don't know if it's just like the way my TV was set up or what. I should have looked into it. I think, Tim, you looked into it. Gonzaga looks like the biggest team almost ever created. Like At every position, I don't know if it was just the lineup they had, they all look big. Like Even their point guard looks... I think you said he was like close to 6'5 at one point. Um... They look like just a ginormous team right now. Am I am I crazy for thinking that? Was that wh- oh, nah, where are we I'm with that? They roster. looked very long. Yeah. I didn't actually physically look up their roster, uh, but I did turn on the game and I was like, holy cow, they look like it, yeah, they're all like if six. If I didn't help, I switched from the Xavier game immediately to them, and that probably made them <laughs> look so much bigger. Um, but they look ginormous. And to Gonzaga's credit, because you know they have the problem of being in a really bad basketball I mean, conference. The beginning. No, of this, you're right. These you're, dudes are you're right. huge. Right? Like, Am Suggs, I? <laughs> Suggs is six four. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the team looks ginormous. No, yeah, Zags are huge. They got a guard that's six they're, one. That's that's their shortest is six one. <laughs> yeah, it's absurd. <laughs> I was like, I could not believe it when I saw. I turned on my TV. I was like, this must be the tallest team, like the biggest team I've ever seen. It was, and they were playing. Kansas, who is not a small team, um, and it just felt like at every position they were either taller or about the same height. <laughs> it was absurd. Um, but to to Gonzaga's credit, because they play in a weak conference, they are playing. They played Kansas to start. They played Auburn. They played West Virginia eleven. They're playing Baylor on Saturday, and then they're playing Iowa here on the nineteenth. I mean, they loaded their schedule up at the beginning to really compensate for a very bad kind of basketball conference and later end of the schedule. If 
if they go undefeated through this stretch, I don't know how they lose a game pending injuries or COVID issues. Um, are they the clear cut? I mean, we're going to find out here. Is there, do we feel, because everything I've been hearing in the little basketball I've watched, and I'll get, I'm going to get more into it here. Um, is it clear cut Gonzaga Baylor and kind of everybody else? And then we're really going to well, see early in the season. We, cannot, here? we, we can't discount that West Virginia play Gonzaga very very close down to the yeah. wire so I, to your earlier point you you opened this up with i think everybody could be beaten i think the the zags can be beaten in this little stretch of games that they're playing against top talent now if they don't i guess it does lend more to what you're saying like here they are the clear cut favorite but i think like once we get to the tournament if the zags lose you know in the elite eight or something i won't be surprised okay fair i, I like that i it's so like I'm just looking at the schedule. I mean, you play the number two team here next on the fifth, and then you play the number three team on the nineteenth, and like you played seven, eleven. It's I'm yeah. a big fan of what Gonzaga is doing here. Mad respect to them, especially in a. Mm-hmm. I mean, you you're playing. Well, this is the so sure up that they get that one seed, right? A hundred percent. Yep. Have to. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. They're doing that. But hell, they're about to you know, take out. They'll, they'll win. They'll they'll they won't win out because they'll lose one of the two games against yeah. st mary's like they always do <laughs> they, right it's, clock, <laughs> it's like just like gonzaga yeah they i was always, gonna say you know, if if they're looking like going undefeated st mary's will beat them it's, at least set your <laughs> and clock then, to it just and then like they'll still can, be a one seed but it's like yeah they lost st mary's this year once you can set but, your clock to it like you can set your clock to oregon in both basketball too as we found out this week and football mm-hmm. losing a and we said it we've been saying it all week the pac-12 eats itself in, in the same week, Oregon Ducks in both basketball and football dropping goose egg. Missouri mm. and Oregon State. Jeez, goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be good. I'm going to get more into it. Do you guys have any other thoughts here before we move on to our, our last subject of the day? The most yeah, I'm glad there, there's been there's been a few people about college basketball saying that the not having the fans kind of takes something away from the game, and I'm not seeing that because the gameplay is on par, if not better, because it's sloppier with the fans too. I think, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and sure you're losing some of the atmosphere, but you really only have that atmosphere during the regular season, which. Outside of real college basketball fans, nobody really watches anyways. Um, there's not that many people that actually watch the regular season of college basketball. And it, to me, it really does kind of feel like more of like a tournament. Maybe it's because at every moment, I think that college basketball could be taken away from me. As it could um, be. <laughs> and that's, maybe that's why I'm um, enjoying it a lot more this year than I have recently. Um, but the not having fans does not really feel like it's taking anything away from the college basketball. And if that's, if that's keeping you away from watching it, don't let it keep you away from watching it. Cause it's still really good. Yeah. I, I think too, I got primed by the, the NBA not having fans. So like this feels normal, but also to your point, I, I think I was missing that. And now that I have it, I can say it is that these feel like tournament games. Cause when you're watching those early tournament games, there's no one there. Yeah, you know, not until you get into the elite eight, sweet sixteen, do, do people start showing up? That was Even first during those. Yeah, games. so I was playing one of the early games in the elite eight or sweet sixteen. Those stadiums are empty. Even yeah. if it's a good team, even if it's a blue blood, like those, you're still playing it. I don't yeah. know. 
and because two too, they're on a on a Wednesday, like like no, yeah, and like Des Moines, yeah, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you could even be in the United Center here in Chicago. It is still sure. heat empty. Yeah. yeah, the ones in Ford Field were empty, and granted, it was Ford Field too because they're playing in football stadiums, so the, there's no noise in those football stadiums. Yeah, I. I was definitely a person who thought the the lack of fans was going to hurt. I will say though, I think I think that will become more of a thing as we get into the grind of the season. I think in the early part, you're playing these big games. It's kind of like that go mentality basketball has, where it's just straight out the gate you're playing these big games. Once you start to kind of get in the grind of conference play, I think where the crowds come into benefit is the momentum swings and kind of like pushing teams to exert a little bit more yeah. effort to get out of some slumps. And I think like once you get into the if we if we do get into the nitty-gritty of the season, that is where I think when teams are starting to kind of feel the grind of the season, not having that crowd kind of pump them up and move them will affect it a little bit. But I I do think it definitely is not affecting it nearly as much at least right now as you said at all as much as I thought it was going to um going yeah. into the season. Well, and teams are going to start letting fans in <laughs> late January for some of them. So yeah, I mean, they've we'll got 300 um, right now, which they did, of course, the like 300 video where they took actually clips from the 300 movie into it. I was like, this is the cheesiest thing, but inject it right into my veins. I don't care. Oh, um, which is a great point and a great transition to the greatest team in the country. And, you know, in the Xavier Musketeers, Travis Steele is a brilliant mastermind for scheduling five games in eight days because who knows as we said what the college season will be hold this year so get them in early um i think they might be the only don't quote me on this i know out of the top 25 they are definitely but i don't think there's another team in the country that's five and oh right now it's played five games i don't care if some of those games were against bradley and oakland as we learned oakland you know put up a nice little game against michigan there but i don't think there's another team that's (laughs) five and oh in the country right now what? Well, also, what math are you no. doing? Ahead five there, games? I was trying to, I was trying to remember if they played five or six because it seemed like to me like they had played six, but it's five, right? It's five. Yeah, it's five. They played the Xavier Invitational, which we won the prestigious they Xavier. Three Put of those. the banner in the stadium. Put it in Cintas. Um, mm-hmm. They won the Xavier Invitational, prestigious uh, championship, and then they played two other games. Um, mm-hmm. Which is great because we got UC this week in the great rivalry in college basketball outside of Duke UNC, um, which we'll talk about here in a second. But to your question, Dante, of should they have played that many games? Yeah, the it's tough, especially with a young team. You don't get a lot of practice. You're kind of grinding it out. But the logic there was that the season might get cut short or we might lose games. So it's best for a team like Xavier who's not ranked the expectations aren't super high going into the season that if we want a shot at making the tournament we need to get as many games in as early and get as many wins on the board potentially to try to bolster our gravitas heading into the uh to the tournament they needed it I mean with mostly freshmen on this team and that's who we're kind of leaning on or freshmen, sophomores on this team, younger guys that are, that we're leaning on a bunch. Um, they needed more gameplay. It didn't really matter who it was. It could have been anybody. What type of squad is Cincy returning this year? I have no earthly idea. So I also do not know the answer to that question. I would say (laughs) that they are, here's my guess. Just knowing the UC program, um, since being out here, they're probably looking at what the end result looks like after eating Skyline Chili um, in a couple hours. And that is 
doo doo. Um, they are probably <laughs> don't let your bias show. <laughs> garbage. Um, they were trying to get out of playing it in their home arena. I mean, if that should tell you all you need to know about this UC squad this week. Um, but I honestly actually don't know. I have not looked into them. Um, it's I don't know. I don't know to be honest. So I Xavier just, should win this game, is what you're saying. Oh, if we. Open. I, I hope very much so. We have been the dominant team since I've been alive. Since we have been alive, the three of us, mm-hmm. Xavier has dominated this series. Um, well, I guess dominate's a strong word. There's, they've won 17. Very they've strong. lost 11 um, since 1993. Um, since in the last two decades, they're 13-7. and seven. Um, Fun little fact there. Um, but, yeah, I... The Xavier team is an interesting one to me. Travis Steele, I think we both said this, Tim. He had to show some improvement. And this team, I don't know what we're going to get game to game. Some days the offense looks free-flowing, which is a big improvement because before we had the nasty habit of we had to run like a set play every time. Um, And the defense has always been there. Um, Well, yeah, they had a nasty habit of doing ISO last year. It was literally Najee Najee Marshall – Paul Scruggs show, and it was just stand and watch him. I mean, that was all it was. It was stand and watch Najee try and dribble into the dribble into the paint and then lose the ball because he tried to do a spin move and he really can't dribble that well. Um, Not as strong. And so it, it wasn't great. Um, now Xavier actually has some shooters on the team. We're supposed to get one back here soon, hopefully yep. soon. Um, he was start. He was projected as a starter, from what I had read out of practices and scrimmages, and I think C.J. Wilcher, right? Yep. And he is a dead eye shooter, apparently. Um, yeah. So I'm hoping to see him come into the starting lineup, leave Scruggs in there for some more stability purposes. He's good at actually facilitating now that he doesn't have to compete with Najee Marshall as far as an ISO game. It's the only time he actually gets to touch the ball. Um, so now that we'll get to see him run the offense, he had something crazy like seven assists and zero turnovers or nine assists and like one turnover last game, yep. something insane. Um, so we'll get to see him run the offense, hit some shooters. We'll see Odom be able to actually be eased into this lineup at point guard rather than being forced to forced to handle a lot of the load as far as point guards concerned, um, like he has been doing even with Scruggs in the lineup. Um, yeah. he's been kind of being relied on a lot more than he needs to be relied on this early in his Xavier career. Um, so we'll get to see him probably come off the bench, I'm thinking. And then the new transfer rule. That, have you seen this, Nate? Yes, I have. So this is a topic we forgot to bring up a couple episodes ago because I was fuming when I heard um, Xavier has a player, Ben Stanley, who did not get a waiver claim there's a couple programs that have have requested waivers for their players that got rejected and the i guess independent counsel or board or whatever they signed up to evaluate this process is recommending that all waivers should be granted which would be huge because if we get him injected in this lineup that's another big body huge huge upgrade for xavier and something that we should really be excited about but i was enraged with the ncaa for those of you who do not know because ben stanley is a guy who has a learning disability, which if you don't know, I am an, I also suffer from a learning disability, a processing disability. And school is incredibly challenging. And in COVID, one of the reasons he transferred to Xavier was because Xavier was offering in-person classes. I could not imagine going through school through e-learning right now. 
and for an institution that claims to be about the student first as opposed to the athlete, that's all about academic standards accordingly, we'll put that in quotation marks, to deny a waiver to a player um, who had independent verification that like this was a necessary thing and the transfer was in his best interest from an educational standpoint to be denied is outrageous by the NCAA. But it is huge for all players who I do think the waiver process is way too confusing as is right now. It doesn't make any sense. Um, it's anti-player, anti-student athlete for the most part. To waive that in the COVID year is going to inject some life into a lot of programs who are relying on some guys that are transferring um, in elevate the play of a lot of programs and i'm very very excited if we can we can get that to uh to happen here and not only him we'd get adam kunkel too i yes. mean there there's uh, there's another shooter you can never have too many shooters on a team never agreed and the cj to hit on the cj wilcher part he is um a top 100 guy but yeah he is from what we've been hearing he is supposed to be a, a big shooter He's six five. He was in high school. Hopefully, he lives up to that expectation. But there is high expectations for him. So injecting him into the lineup will be interesting. I'm a little interested to see if he'll get to be able to play on Sunday, um, and what injecting him into a game like that is going to do. Because as mentioned, Xavier UC, I think second best college basketball rivalry in all of college basketball outside of Duke UNC. That's just my personal opinion, unbiased here. No bias. Yeah, no, no bias. bias at all. <laughs> um, just facts. Have you? Has any other program had a fist fight in recent years? I was there. <laughs> yes, mm-hmm. Kansas. And yeah, Kansas I was going to say right? Kansas. Yeah, Kansas. It literally yeah. just happened like Chair, last year. Chairs right? got brought out. Chairs yeah, last chairs. year. All right. <laughs> we're we're avoiding that. Um, should be a good game. I'm excited. We I hate that we put it on Sunday at three. Why could we not have done Saturday? I mean, come on now. We're competing against the NFL. Yeah, there was no college football but, this weekend. <laughs> big news. I do believe we got bumped to ESPN as opposed to ESPN two. So we're moving up on the world. I don't know if you had anything. Yes, I'm there. excited to watch it. I don't really have much else other than Zach Fremantle needs to learn how to box out. <laughs> and you heard it. You heard it from Travis Steele, I guess. There was a there was a tweet from I don't, I don't know how to say his name, but Paul Fritschner oh, yeah. or whatever his name is, the guy who actually called, got called in to emergency broadcast uh, the Xavier game when the FS1 crew went down with COVID. Did a great but, job, by the way. Um, yes, he was fantastic, um, especially on such short notice. But what he said was, <laughs> was in quotations, Travis Steele said, I don't care what you do. Box the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> he was not too happy. Great culture. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it brought me back to the Stan Van Gundy days of form a fucking wall. <laughs> oh, uh, could you imagine if a like a Bobby Knight figure was? Co- oh, actually, we don't even need no. to imagine. Can you imagine what's his face at Wichita State without crowds and being able to hear everything he probably yells during a game? Um, oh. Ex Wichita State coach. What's his name? I can't think of his name off the Greg top. Greg Marshall. There we go. Yeah. Woof. Um, I mean, there's one thing to yell at your players that what he was doing sounds like abuse. Oh, 100. percent It's like the yeah, Bobby you can Knight. You yell at players all the time. I mean, look at Tom Izzo. All right, his yeah. players love yeah. him. It's not like it's not like an abusive relationship. No. It's like he genuinely cares. That's why he's so hard on you. Yeah. Not like where he's actually 100%. putting your hands <laughs> on the player. Mm-mm. Um, anything else before we wrap it up? Nope. Mm-mm. That's all I got. Uh, go, go Xavier, 3 p.m. <laughs> Let's go X, zip them up. Let's go X, zip, right. zip them up. Um, that'll do it for us. Bearcats. As always, peace. 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 peace.